the reason I love the little drummer boy is uh, I love the story. Uh, whether it actually happened, it doesn't really matter. I love the story of this little boy who meets this infant Jesus, and he feels so overwhelmed with something that he wants to give this child, and he feels like, I've got nothing to give. And then he looks down and he sees a little drum, and I was like, I got the drum though. Maybe I could just play that for him. And he plays the drum and he, you know, gets the smile from little infant Jesus. Now, that to me, I love that story. And I don't know about you, but I love stories. I absolutely love stories. I love stories like the little drummer boy. Uh, I love reading stories. I love watching stories. And a good story, if it's a good story, it has a way to encourage you, to challenge you, to inspire you. It has a, has a way to draw you in and get you to think about some of life's challenging questions. Uh, so I don't know about you, but I love stories, reading or watching. So here are some of my favorites, uh, stories that I have loved watching over the years. All right, this is a recent one, but Inception. Anyone see Inception? All right, phenomenal film. And I was talking about this with someone the other day. Inception is a movie about dreams within dreams within dreams. And I was talking to a friend and like, why do you like this movie so much? And I was like, are you kidding me? A dream within a dream within a dream and you can have shared dreams with people? And they're like, why would you want to dream with people? I was like, well, I don't know, but I bet it would be amazing. A shared dream? How about the film? Uh, have you seen the film Shawshank Redemption? Incredibly challenging film to watch. But how many of you remember that one scene where he says, get busy living or... Get busy dying. Phenomenal story of freedom and hope. How about the story Goodwill Hunting? How about the closing scene in that film when he gets the note? Robin Williams opens the, the note and uh, Goodwill Hunting's character, Matt Damon, says, I go on to find out about a girl. Like, what a great ending to a film. How about the movie uh, Last of the Mohicans? Anyone? Last of the Mohicans. Ladies, do you remember the scene where Daniel Day-Lewis... He looks at the girl and says, stay alive. Stay alive. I will find you. And then the rest of the movie is about Daniel Day-Lewis finding the girl, and he finds the girl. It's an amazing film. Fellas, how about Rocky? Right? Thank you. Rocky 1 and 2. Phenomenal story of Rocky Balboa, the underdog, takes on Apollo Creed. And at the end of Rocky 2, he wins. But do you remember the scene at the end? Everyone's in the ring, and they just can't believe what happened. And he just cries out. He's got the microphone. He's getting interviewed. And he's crying. And you can't even see his face because it's all messed up. And he's like, Yo, he, I was going to do the impersonation, but I won't. <laughs> and what does he say? He says, Adrian, I did it. I did it. He just wanted his wife to be proud of what he had accomplished. And then Rocky Three comes along. And you meet Mr. T, Clubber Lang. And he's like, I'm going to bust you up. And Rocky's like, yeah, whatever. And totally takes him out. Then he meets Yvonne Drago in Rocky IV and unites two countries. I mean, who can do that? And then Rocky V, we won't talk about Rocky V, but then there was a movie after Rocky V called Rocky Balboa. And in this amazing speech, Rocky Balboa, what does he say? It's not about how hard you get hit in life. It's how often you get up. All right, this past week, I took, uh, I was with my family, we went to go see a brand new movie called Frozen. Anyone seen Frozen yet? All right, after you're done hanging out and opening presents, go see Frozen tomorrow. There's a guy, he's actually a snowman. There's a snowman in the movie called Olaf, and he's a guy who just loves warm hugs. He's a snowman, so it doesn't really make sense. But then in this powerful scene, 
he's singing to the girl, and he says, I would be willing to melt for you. Okay? So movies, stories, they have a way to inspire, to encourage, to make you laugh, to make you smile. But all of those films that I just mentioned, you know what all of those things have in common? Not one of those films has changed my life. They've given me a moment of engagement. They've given me a moment of entertainment. Uh, some of those films have definitely challenged me in, in, uh, in what I think and how I think and why I think. But I can honestly say, and I think you would have to agree, there's not one film, there's not one story, so to speak, that actually has the power to change your life. There's not a, a film or a story, as it were, that has the ability to offer you hope, to offer you joy, to offer you peace. And I'm talking like meaningful peace, not a momentary sense of happiness, but a deep-seated, rooted sense of joy and, con and contentment. There's not a movie or a story out there that will offer answers to your most challenging questions of things like, why am I here? The significance and the meaning of life and purpose and existence and origins. So I love stories. I love movies. Those have entertained me. Those have engaged me. But not one of those films has actually changed my life. And as I've been thinking about it and praying about it, uh, I wondered, is there such a story? Is there a story that's out there that actually has the ability to make a difference in your life and the world we live in? Is there a story that's so powerful, and I don't mean it just engages and encourages, but it's so powerful that it would actually be worth giving your life to? To have your story wrapped up in this story, is there such a story that could make a difference in your life and a story that could actually make a difference in the world that you and I live in. Uh, in an interview, this is a, an Austrian uh, philosopher. He's a, uh, a storyteller himself. Uh, he's an author and in a book that he wrote called Storytelling or Myth-Making, uh, Ivan Illich said this. He was being interviewed, and the question was, how do you change a culture? How do you change the world? And this is what he said. Neither revolution nor reformation can ultimately change a society. Rather... You must tell a new powerful tale, one so persuasive that it sweeps away the old myths and becomes the preferred story, one so inclusive that it gathers all the bits of our past and our present into a coherent whole, one that even shines some light into our future so that we can take the next step. If you want to change a society, and we're talking, if you want to change people, if you want to change a society, then you have to tell an alternative story. Now, to me, the Christmas story, it's a powerful story. It's been a story that's been celebrated for 2,000 years, and there's a few billion people tonight on the planet that are celebrating the Christmas story. But if you were just to look at the Christmas story and just keep it isolated just by itself, what happens to the Christmas story? By the way, I love the Christmas story. Absolutely love the Christmas story. But if you just take this evening, this story, the coming of the Son of God, Jesus, coming into this world, and if you were just to keep it isolated from the other story that it's part of, then you will just revisit the Christmas story once a year. It's one of those things that, hey, next December 24th, Michael, I'll see you again. Because it's just one of those stories. Yes, it encourages, it inspires. But what we've been talking about over this past month at Genesis is, how does this story, the Christmas story, is it part of something else? Is it part of a much bigger story that's actually being told? 
And what I wanted to do tonight is if you would actually get the fullness and feel the weight and the excitement and the joy of the Christmas story, well, then you have to consider what part, what role this story plays actually within a much bigger story that's being told, otherwise known as the story of God. The Christmas story, it comes to us from the Bible. We didn't make it up. It wasn't like we needed a story to happen at the end of the year just to get us through. Uh, this is the Christmas story. is a story that comes to us from the Bible, the big story, the story of God. And what I love about the Bible, the big story, the story of God, is it answers my questions. Because I'm a guy, if you know me, you hang out with me, I ask questions, and I ask lots of questions. And what I love about the story of God, the big story, the Bible, is it answers so many of my questions. Specifically, I would think if, if you were to really narrow down, what are some really important questions you should be asking? And not only be asking, but looking for answers for. Here are five questions that I would give you. Who is God? Who is God? A second question, well, who am I? Who is God? Who am I? A third question, what's wrong with me in the world that I live in? Who is God? Who am I? What's wrong with me in the world that I live in? Number four would be, what's the solution? And number five would be, what's next? Those are five questions. If you've never thought of them, they're pretty important questions. And how you answer those questions is really going to dictate what your story looks like, meaning what your life looks like. So questions, who is God? Who am I? What's wrong with me in the world that I live in? What's the solution? And what's next? Five big questions. How do you currently answer those questions? What are your answers for, for those questions of who is God? Who am I? What's wrong with me? Is there a solution? And what's next? How do you currently answer? Now, for me, the question of who is God, you might not have thought about it like this, but all of us have a God. All of us have a God. All of us have something or someone that we give ourselves to. For some, it's just ourselves. We are our own God. We keep, we do what we want, when we want, how we want. We are the center of our world, so to speak. So we all have a God. It's just a question of, is your God actually worthy of being called God? Is your God worthy of actually giving yourself to? The question of, or C.S. Lewis uh, said it very well in Mere Christianity. He said, human history, it's the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. So in the search for answering this question of who is God, uh, again, we all have God, and as C.S. Lewis rightly said, history is just filled with sad, divisive, destructive stories of men and women who tried to find joy and happiness and meaning outside of actually God, capital G. We all wrestle with the question of, well, who am I? And I think, sadly, for many, we look for an answer to that question of who am I in things what we do, in our performance, in our work. And so our identity, our worth, our value, our dignity, our purpose, our identity gets wrapped up in what we do and our performance. And I like how... Um, Louis Giglio, a pastor in uh, the Atlanta area, in a, in a great book he wrote, he said this, Life is a tale of two stories, one finite and frail, the other eternal and enduring. The tiny one, the story of us, it's brief as a blink of an eye. Yet somehow, our infatuation with our own little story and our determination to make it as big as we possibly can, it blinds us to the massive God story that surrounds us on every side. And so as we try to figure out the question of who am I, many settle for, well, 
I'm the center. I'm going to make my story about me. And Louis goes on to say, we can choose to cling to a starring role in the little bitty stories of us, or we can exchange our fleeting moment in the spotlight for a supporting role in the eternally beautiful epic that is the story of God. The third question, well, what's wrong with me and the world that I live in? And again, I think this would be a question that you and I have all wrestled with, but in seeking to answer this question apart from the story of God, well, how do you answer it? Because most of your answers, if it's not connected to a story, the story, the big story, the story of God, how do you answer that question of, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with, I don't think anyone would argue with me that the world is not right, that it's broken, there's evilness. Well, what's wrong with it? How did it get like that? I think the question four of, well, is there a solution? And is there a story that's so powerful that it not only explains what the problem is, but it actually offers a real solution, a lasting solution, a significant solution? The question of what's next, all of us, we all know that life does not go on forever, so is there a story that explains what's next? So again, these are five really big questions. And my hope is that you would actually have answers for each of these questions, but how you answer is going to really describe and define what your story looks like. So how do you currently answer those questions? Tim Keller wrote a great book called King's Cross, uh, looking at the story in the Gospel of Mark, and he said this, the whole story of the world and how we fit into it is most clearly understood through a careful, direct look at the story of Jesus, how beautifully his life makes sense of ours. If you want to have answers to those questions, you can't look beyond uh, the person of Jesus, who he is, what he came to do. And as you turn your attention, your focus, your heart, your mind to the person of Jesus, a direct look at the story of Jesus, his life will actually begin to make sense of yours. And tonight I just want to finish by answering this question. Over the past month, we've considered and examined how the Christmas story fits into the big story, the story of God. But I want to close by just asking this question and answering this question. Well, why did he come? Why did Jesus come? If I find meaning and existence in my story, in his story, um, why, why did he come? Like Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating that this God-man named Jesus came to earth. And I just want to ask the question, why did he come? What did he have to say? What did he have to do? Why did Jesus come? Uh, if you have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen. But um, I'm going to give you one verse to answer the question of why did Jesus Christ come? And uh, this is in Luke chapter 4. And I'm just going to read one verse, but in the context of what's happening in this story, uh, Jesus is loving people, he's serving people, he's healing people, he's teaching people. And in uh, Luke chapter 4, I'm just going to read in context before we put the verse up. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. And no matter what their disease were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. And I skipped down, and this is the verse I wanted you to see in verse 42. This is Luke chapter 4. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him, please do not leave. Verse 43. 
But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Just want you to hear that one more time. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. If you want to know why Jesus came, he answers that question for you right there. I came to preach the good news. I came to preach the good news and tell people the good news, the news about God's kingdom. He came to tell us about the good news. Now, do you know the difference between advice and good news? I think most of us would say, yeah, I know the difference, but let me give you an example of advice and good news. Now, I have some advice for you. Tomorrow, it's going to be a really long day. You're going to wake up at 6 a.m. with the kids. They will not be happy with what you decided to get them. You will not like what they got you. You will be cleaning most of the day. None of the food you'll eat will actually taste any good. You'll be tired and exhausted. But when it's over, when it's over, December 26 is coming. So what I want you to do is just keep your game face on. Suck it up, get through it, because Christmas, it's only one day after all. Now, how many of you would be looking forward to tomorrow? I've given you advice, just deal with it. It's just one day. Get over it. You'll be okay. Man up. They don't like it. That's okay. December 26th is coming. Well, how about if I told you this story? Tomorrow, it's going to be an amazing day. You will make memories with your loved ones that they will never forget. And not only will everyone love what you got them, you are going to be blown away, absolutely blown away with what they have for you. Now, how many of you would be a lot more excited with that news and that approach to what's happening tomorrow? As I think about it, the difference of uh, advice and good news is good news has a way of transforming how we live, how we think, how we act. But advice, it just gives me more work to do. You give me advice, you've now just given me more to do. You've given me more work to do. But if you give me good news, that gives me freedom, that gives me joy. In a great book, I've recommended it out there, I've quoted it a few times recently, Justin Buzzard wrote a great book called The Big Story. And he said this, Jesus didn't come with advice for us to absorb and follow. He came with news. It's news that brings joy. The gospel is history-making, life-shaping, paradigm-shattering news. It's news about something done in history that changes you, that changes everything forever. Jesus does something so radical, so violent, so dramatic, and it seals this good news and makes a way for us to join in the big, big story. Jesus came to tell us good news. Jesus didn't come to give you advice. Jesus did not come to give you rules to follow. Jesus did not come to tell you do this and don't do that. He didn't come to give advice. Why Jesus came from the words of, of Jesus himself, I was sent to tell you the good news. The good news about God. The good news about God and his kingdom. And what I love about the good news, because you remember in the beginning the question was asked, how do you change a culture? How do you change a society? You've got to have a story. You've got to have an alternative tale that is so powerful that can actually bring back our past, our present, and our future into one cohesive story. And this is what the good news that Jesus does. He answers all five of our questions for us. Who is God? Jesus makes clear. He's creator. 
He's sustainer. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He's faithful. Who is God? God is perfect. God is eternal. God is holy. God is Father. Well, who am I? Jesus makes clear in his teachings. He says, I was created by God to know God, to walk with God, to enjoy God. I was created in his image. And you know what that means? My identity, my value, my worth, my purpose, none of those things come from what I do, my performance or my works. It comes from, I was created in the image of God. Jesus answers the question for, what's wrong with, with me? What's wrong with the world? And in short, sin. We decided to be our own gods. We decided to do our own thing. And this is honestly not a difficult concept for us to grasp. If I lied to you, that would cause a break in our friendship. That would cause some hurt and some pain, some division. When we sin against each other, when we do wrong to one another, that causes a break. So what's wrong with me? What's wrong with the world I live in? We decided to do our own things, and brokenness has been the result. But Jesus tells us, he answers question four, is there a solution? And Jesus says, yeah, me. I came to redeem. I came to restore. I came to reconcile all things back and back to the bigger story that we were meant to be part of. To redeem and restore and reconcile back to a right relationship with God. I love how the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians. He says, but when the right time came, when the right time in human history came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the, to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Is there a solution? Yeah, Jesus came. Why? So through Christ, we could be adopted back into the story of God, the family of God, and be part of God's kingdom. Question five, what's next? Jesus makes clear, those who have faith in me. Your story does not end after this story here. It's an ongoing, eternal, eternal epic we've been invited to be part of. To know God, to be with God, and to be in God's kingdom. Not because we worked our way there, performed our way there, but because Jesus came to bring us there himself. It's amazing. I quoted Tim Keller a few minutes ago, and he said, if you really want to understand you, if you really want to understand your story, you've got to look at the person of Jesus. He answers these five questions for us very clearly. So I wanted just to finish tonight by simply asking uh, the question, if Jesus did come to bring us good news, good news that there is a God and this God loves you, if Jesus came to bring good news and tell us that, hey, your identity, value, worth, purpose, identity, all of that is found in God, if Jesus came to Help us understand why we are the way we are and why the world the way the world is. If Jesus came to offer a solution to make things right, to restore and reconcile us back to God. If Jesus came and the good news was that there is hope, that the what next question is answered in life eternal in God's kingdom because Jesus made that possible. Then just my question to you is if Jesus came to give you and I the good news, what are you doing with the good news that he came to give? Have you received this good news? 
And for those of you that are here tonight and would say, Michael, I have absolutely received the good news. Then tonight, I just, you celebrate. Tonight is a night of just all-out celebration that you have received the good news that Jesus came to give. And that you don't have to live a life of confusion, of not knowing who God is, and not knowing who you are, not knowing what's wrong with you, and not knowing if there's a solution, and not knowing if you have hope. Jesus has given you all of those things. So tonight, you just say thank you. Tonight is the night you say, Jesus, thank you for coming and bringing good news. Thank you for coming and making a way for me to be with you forever. Thank you for coming and rescuing me from my small story and inviting me to be part of your big story. So if that's you, celebrate tonight. Not because you're going to get great gifts tomorrow or you're going to a party here shortly, but celebrate that you don't live your life by advice. You live your life by good news that has been given to you by Christ. And if you're here tonight, and maybe this is new to you, maybe it's not, maybe you've heard this news before, I just want to ask you, have you received this news? And if not, what prevents you from receiving good news? Because to me, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. If someone came to me and said, Michael, I have good news to tell you. I would not look at them and say, forget it. I don't want good news. I don't like good news. I don't appreciate good news. I, I would personally not walk away from someone who came to me in all sincerity, in all genuine love, and said, I have good news to tell you. What is it? Because I could use some good news in my life. And so if you have heard the good news before, and maybe the last time you were actually here was last Christmas Eve, I just want to ask you, what prevents you, stops you, holds you back from receiving the good news that you are loved by God? What holds you back from not receiving the good news that you can have a relationship with God? Maybe a verse you've heard many, many times before. It's John 3.16. For God loved the world so much. And by the way, that's you. You. God loved you so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have life eternal. That to me is good news. That is a story that has changed my life. And that is a story that is changing the world. I promise you, we will not be talking about Inception, Shawshank Redemption, Goodwill Hunting, Rocky, and Frozen 10 years from now. But yet, 2,000 years later, we are still talking about this story. This is a story that will change you. This is a story that is changing the world that you and I live in. For those who received it, celebrate. We're in a minute going to sing Silent Night. We're going to light our candles. Hopefully you have a candle sitting on your chair or nearby. And if that's you, uh, it's just very symbolic. But as we sing this song, I want your candle to be lit by someone uh, around you. But as you sing that song, I just want you to be able to sing and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that because you came, I, my story is not one marked by darkness, but it has been lit up by you. And if you've not received the story, if you've not received the news that you are loved by God and can be known by God, that Jesus makes that possible, I just want to invite you to receive it tonight. This is a prayer that we will have up on the screen, and there's nothing magical about this. This is an expression.
This is an expression that just says simply this, Jesus, thank you for this good news. By faith, I choose to receive this good news, that you are the Son of God who came to pay the penalty of my sin so that I might know you in your kingdom forever. Thank you for making a way for me to be brought back to God. I'm going to light a, a candle and... Um, I want to pray, and as we're singing, I'm going to ask that that prayer be just left up on the screen for a bit. Again, it's an expression, but if that's your heart, that you don't want to live your life by your small story, but enter into the story of God, just pray, and let that be an expression from, from you to God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you came, that you have good news for us. Thank you that it wasn't advice, it wasn't a list of do this, don't do that. So God, I give thanks. Jesus, I give thanks that you came, that you made a way, that you made a way for us to know you.